Welcome to the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Anne Louise Gittleman is a New York Times bestselling author of over 37 books on diet, detox, the environment, and women's health. For more than four decades, Anne Louise has been regarded as a leading voice and visionary in nutrition and who has fearlessly stood on the front lines of holistic and integrative medicine. For more information, check out annlouise.com. That's A-N-N-L-O-U-I-S-E.com. And here's your host, Anne Louise Gittleman. Hi, everyone. Anne Louise Gittleman here with you yet once again on the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. And today it's my privilege, it's my honor, and it's my pleasure to introduce to you my doctor, Dr. Paul Hart, who's an emergency medicine and hyperbaric medicine expert who is at the forefront of the use of HBOT, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, for the use of all kinds of brain disorders, Alzheimer's, TBI, PTSD, and most recently in the use of long hauler syndrome with COVID-19. He is the author of the recently published The Oxygen Revolution, and it is an absolute pleasure to have you with me today. Dr. Harch, welcome once again. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Now, full transparency. I've just come back from your clinic. I'm going to tell the world that I actually went under the uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy for 40 treatments, and you were magnificent. I thank you so much for being by my side. I had a traumatic brain injury many years ago. My friends took a uh, spectra scan, a scan of the brain, and then sent it to Dr. Harch, and he said I needed help. Uh, so you and I know each other intimately. But here's, here's my question. What other kind of issues do you work with besides traumatic brain injury? Oh, my God. The, almost any neurological disease, as well as uh, a wide uh, range of different medical conditions, uh, pediatric and adult. Um, but, uh, you know, the most common traumatic brain injury, cognitive problems, stroke, dementia, of different causes. Uh, and in children, uh, birth injuries, drowning episodes, uh, uh, various uh, learning disabilities, um, uh, post-encephalitis, uh, in other words, uh, the residual effects of viral infections of the brain, um, of course, trauma in children, uh, cerebral palsy. Well, why don't more doctors know about this? I mean, shouldn't there be a hyperbaric oxygen therapy chamber in every medical center in the country? It just concerns me that nobody knows about you or your work in the oxygen revolution. So why is this such a secret? Uh, that is a question that's vexed everyone for many years. And it the root of it really is in the history of this therapy for roughly 360 years of its existence, it has not been understood scientifically until about 2008 and really more in the last couple of years. So for my generation of doctors, uh, it was hyperbaric oxygen therapy was characterized by its advent in the United States and claims got made about 
its effects. People claimed they could grow some hair with it or their erectile dysfunction improved or it had an effect on their cancer. Uh, you know, a wide variety of things were experienced. And in the absence of the experts in hyperbaric medicine's ability to explain how could this happen? What is the therapy doing? What's the mechanism of action? It got discredited as just wild claims to the extent that uh, it also breached uh, or challenged one very significant foundation tenet in the neurology field. And that was that there was nothing you could do for a neurological problem. And in the 1970s, people started claiming that you could treat neurological disease with hyperbaric oxygen. And of course, this just violated decades of dogma uh, on the thinking or the thinking in neurology. And uh, eventually this got very politicized and in the medical profession, it was known as a therapy that was a fraud, didn't work, uh, was not understood. Um, and uh, that's what I was taught at medical school, Johns Hopkins, my third year. But you also claim that this is a genetic therapy. So this goes beyond just the treatment of these issues. This is genetic therapy. It turns on 6,000 genes. So this is a longevity medical therapy as well. So I'm so surprised that nobody knows about it the way they should. Well, they don't. And it, it gets to the root of the problem. Again, what I'm, I was saying, the lack of understanding, this has been defined by the hyperbaric doctors as a, a treatment for certain recalcitrant, expensive, and otherwise hopeless medical conditions. Well, what are these hopeless, recalcitrant, expensive medical conditions? They were a group of diagnoses that a group of, diag of uh, hyperbaric doctors identified and said, here, our, our therapy, this therapy is a therapy that works for these things. There was no underlying explanation for it. And, and it, that has been the root of so much of this confusion. In fact, it's not so much a genetic therapy. We, the hyperbaric therapy doesn't change the DNA code. What it does is it's an epigenetic therapy. It affects the expression of the genes. So at any second now, you and I, all of the cells in our body, our chromosomes, all of our genes are either being turned on and read or being suppressed and not read to make the proteins that they code for. And what hyperbaric oxygen does is affect over 40% of them, turning them on or turning them off. And it turns on beneficial ones and turns off those that are detrimental, like the inflammatory genes. So it's an epigenetic therapy uh, that affects expression of our genes. And in the, in the process, uh, heals wounds and gives us better health. But you're also using this for COVID-19 long hauler syndrome. So tell me how that, yes. uh, tell me yeah. how you arrived at that. That is just fascinating. Yes, boy, that, that is a great story. The introduction of hyperbaric medicine in the United States, and nobody remembers this, was 1918 during the Spanish flu pandemic. A doctor in Kansas City was in Colorado and got to thinking about why the Spanish flu patients were dying at such a high rate in the Rockies. And he said, it's got to be due to the low pressure and low oxygen. What would happen if we gave more pressure and more oxygen, raced back to Kansas City, built this old chamber cobbled together from spare parts, and the day he was to start treatment of his animals, animal experiments, 
he was brought a dying Spanish flu patient. And the books and articles written on it describe how he put them in there, compressed them. And at the time, they didn't have pure oxygen. It was just on air. And the patient pinked up. And with one treatment a day for five days, he salvaged this patient. Next thing you know, there was a steady stream of dying Spanish flu patients that he salvaged. Well, my wife, who is a nurse and uh, just a wonderful person, so many great things about her, but my wife uh, in January of 2020 started asking me, well, what do you think about this for treating COVID patients? I said, well, wait a minute, it's already been done. They treated the dying Spanish flu patients for it. It would work in COVID too. Similar virus, kills by the same mechanisms, et cetera. And so we I posted an announcement on the internet that history bears remembering. We have a treatment for this condition. And the following day, Juliet found an article out of China where they had treated six patients and saved them. I then ended up getting in touch with that doctor and through a translator had an hour long interview with her on her treatment. And it was uh, a similar dose that I had used for treating my neurological patients. Now there are a number of studies that have been done. Uh, we tried to get one done here, but the hospital blocked us, wouldn't let us do it. The point is that the main way it works, it doesn't affect the virus. There is no effect of fibrobaric oxygen on the virus itself that we know of. But the key in COVID infection is the intense inflammatory reaction that some people's immune system causes when they're infected with COVID. And hyperbaric oxygen, we go back to all those 8,101 genes, the largest clusters of genes turned on are the anti-inflammatory genes, and the largest clusters turned off are the pro-inflammatory genes. Hyperbaric oxygen is addressing and treating this intense inflammatory reaction in COVID patients, and that's how it's able to benefit them. The long haulers, what's that due to? It is the residual inflammatory reaction mediated by the immune system that's causing it, and hyperbaric oxygen. I've treated now 15 long hauler patients. Every one of them has improved. That's totally, that's totally, totally amazing. The more people don't know about this. And you also recently published something in a peer-reviewed journal. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. Long awaited, my friend. Long awaited. Yes. 33 years of work, really. Uh, mazel tov, mazel tov. Thank you. Uh, what I published was what's called a systematic review where you take studies on a given subject and you analyze them for the effect that they have had on that diagnosis. And so in, I, I treated the first persistent post-concussion syndrome patients many years ago, back in the 1990s, and then extended this to our veterans, US war veterans with traumatic brain injury and PTSD in 2008. And what, subsequently happened, I did a, a number of studies. The Department of Defense asked me to present this data to them, the initial, and they, based on that, did a series of studies. And the problem was they designed them improperly and, and their control groups, which were different doses of hyperbaric oxygen, they called placebo. And so what I did in this article was go back and analyze all of these studies based on 
the hyperbaric effects, the pressure effects and the oxygen effects, the two components of it, and looked at the overall results. And the conclusion was, this was the highest level of evidence achievable, level one, using an international accepted grading system out of Oxford, England, the Center for Evidence-Based Medicine. And it met the highest practice recommendation, level A, by the American Society of Plastic Surgeons grading system, which says that this therapy should be delivered to every patient with persistent post-concussion syndrome from mild traumatic brain injury. In other words, people who have chronic symptoms from their mild traumatic brain injury, unless there is a compelling rationale to not use it. Wow, this wow. now is going to be able to be used by patients to get reimbursement from their insurance company for getting hyperbaric oxygen. It's about, brain it's about time. How does somebody know? I, maybe we should just reiterate again. I mean, I had a spectra scan. It's kind of a nuclear scan. If people come to you at your clinic and you're in New Orleans, uh, let me let me ask you, number one, why are you in New Orleans? Number two, how do oh, people know that goodness. they've had a traumatic brain injury? I mean, there's an interesting story there that I want people to understand that. Well, okay. I was in Colorado living what I thought was in a life in heaven. I just love the place. I love the Rockies. And a funny series of events. And someone asked me if I wanted to travel. Uh, to work in hospital-based emergency medicine and there was an opening at a hospital in new orleans and i thought oh this is interesting and it, it gave me time off to work on other things that i was looking at in my life and i came down here and i made a discovery i happened into an emergency medicine group that was treating divers and also did hyperbaric oxygen and i found that we could treat divers disease of the brain long after the US Navy said it was untreatable. And I then started looking at it for all of these other neurological conditions. And so that's kind of the how I ended up in New Orleans, uh, which is, oh boy. I mean, of I all wish... places to get treated for a traumatic brain. I know, I just, yeah. And it, in this funny little place that you saw, this is not Park Avenue, you know. <laughs> um, but who cares, and... you're there. Yes. And what we did, though, was index the changes because you needed some way to show that what you were doing, which was so unusual and nobody was going to believe you could treat a brain injury. We had to document it in a way that people could not deny it. So we started using brain blood flow imaging. And I was blessed with the second high resolution scanner placed in the United States in clinical use. It was in the hospital right down the street from me. Oh and I goodness. was second blessed with a nuclear medicine technologist who worked there, who had scored the highest in the Southeast United States on the nuclear med tech exam. He was bright and he was meticulous. And he saw these patients I was treating come back, improve neurologically, and he saw the scans improve. He started uh, processing these scans so meticulously, I had the best imaging in the United States. And we were able to document this and things, you know, mushroom from there to now, where instead of doing the spec scans, which I still do, and we can use, but it's often a problem getting insurance reimbursed for them. 
the spec scan was done after the patients came out of the chamber. So it was the delayed effect of what happened to the person's brain in the chamber. I could never look at their brain in the chamber. Now I can, as you experienced, I can look at the brain live in the chamber with quantitative EEG and take people through a variety of doses in the chamber in just one treatment and look to see where their brain is functioning best. And that's what I did that helped you. And uh, we tested the others. Not every dose works for everybody. That's correct. The key. It's the dose. We're all individuals, and it's we have an individual disease that affects us, which makes us doubly individual or idiosyncratic squared. So, should most people with traumatic brain injury, people that have, or children that have autism, God forbid, cerebral palsy, near drowning victims, adults maybe with TBI or PTSD, should they come see you first to get this quantitative EEG test the way I did? They should. Otherwise, it's kind of a gamble. You know, you don't can know they, what they you're getting. Can they harm themselves? Hi, my friends. It's time to salute and acknowledge my wonderful sponsor, UnikeyHealth.com. This is a place where you can get all of my customized supplements for weight loss, internal cleansing, and targeted health support. I'm especially proud of Fat Flush, which is 30 years and still burning up the fat flushing fires, radical metabolism, and even smoothie shakedown. So if you're interested in keeping your gallbladder, getting rid of your parasites, and losing your last 10 pounds, look into UnikeyHealth.com. I studied with a master formulator, and all of her formulating principles are embedded in this particular line of products. UnikeyHealth.com, 1-800-888-4353. We love you, and your health is their passion. No. Oh, uh, yes. By using home to yes. talk, about, talk about that a little bit, the home well, units. Well, I'll give you an example. I just had a patient, and this is a frequent uh, occurrence, and it was the subject of a textbook chapter I wrote in 1999. You know, the, the application of hyperbaric oxygen, unlike no other field in medicine, has been based on the delivery of hyperbaric oxygen according to rote historical protocols. Well, that's not the way anybody practices medicine, but curiously, it's the way it's been done in this specialty because nobody understood that this was a two component drug, pressure and oxygen, and that they had individual effects and that you had to manage the dose according to what was wrong with the patient, their disease, et cetera. And so what happened was, uh, you know, these rote protocols get delivered and people, someone picks a, a protocol off the internet, uh, often at these places, there are no medical professionals there. Uh, and you get whatever they decide they're going to give you. And it's a roll of the dice if you improve. Uh, they may hit it and get something that works for you, or you may not. But the error that is commonly made is that if somebody got some benefit at a given dose, more had to be better. And so they often increase the pressure and the exposure. And as you can attest, that is not necessarily good. So last night I was called by this poor lady who had been treated originally for her problem. And, and according to the original dose that we had looked at in traumatic brain injury, and she got a limited number of treatments and had some benefit. She then went on to get a home chamber and started treating herself for extended periods of time with as much oxygen as she could. Oh my and goodness. what happened is she got oxygen toxic. 
and she now is worse than when she started. And uh, we're going to have to see if her symptoms are permanent. If you do this too much while it's causing harm, you can get permanent injury to the brain. It causes an intense inflammatory reaction. And in fact, in this book chapter, I, I didn't report it at the time because I hadn't collected the data yet, but there are three children whose parents put hard shell chambers in their home and killed their children with too much oxygen. They generated seizures in these children and they eventually died of seizures. And so there is like anything, you, there's too much of a good thing. And it, it, you know, it, what you want to do is dose it according to the patient's response. It's a, it's a medical practice issue. Um, so yes, you can do harm and people have and, and do do it. Um, and then you have to try to sort out how to correct it. But on the other side of the coin, you've had some extraordinary successes. Oh my so, God, yes. So, so tell me I mean, about the extraordinary successes if you can. And you're yeah, just so mentioning, and wait a minute, let me just say this. You were just yes. mentioning Tony Robbins' book, weren't you? Didn't you write a chapter in his new book? Yes. Life Force, which is a New York Times bestseller. Yes. Okay, so I just, I just name dropped everybody. Well, go, you did. Go, go ahead. And I can but, now but, tell the story. Yes, tell the story because he you're put mentioning... it in print. Yes, he, his career was lagging. He, he well, he was having problems cognitively, and uh, I mean, very noticeable ones. And they didn't know what the problem was. They found out he was mercury poisoned. He had been eating swordfish and other high food chain fish three meals a day for 25 years. He told oh my me. gosh. Yes. And he ended up with a mercury level way over a hundred. <laughs> and uh, he had gone and had detoxification done, but he didn't get better, it, it, a little bit better, but he was still declining. And he had gone to eight hyperbaric facilities around the world and in the US and didn't seem to benefit. And he called up, he came down here and I imaged him with SPECT and picked a dose I thought might work for him. And I hit pay dirt with this based on his diagnosis and so on. We then put a chamber on his jet and my staff flew around the world with him Ooh. for a number of months treating him. Wow. And he made a dramatic improvement. We then put a hard shell chamber in his home. And to this day now, for five years, my staff treats him monthly uh, in his home. And uh, it's what's reversed his decline and he's at the top of his game. So in December, I went down there with the QEEG to now reset him and look at him again and see if there was a better dose I might be able to dose him with. And lo and behold, the dose I had him at was the best one of all of them that I looked at with the quantitative EEG. How interesting. And when he, and when he came out of the chamber, he said, look, how can I help you? He said, my book goes to press in a week. I want you to write a chapter. He said, would you do it? And I said, okay. So I wrote that little chapter and he sent it back to me. And he said, why didn't you mention what you've done for me? And I said, because you didn't give me permission. I haven't told anybody <laughs> for five years. Oh my so God. I sent it back. And in there is the story of how this helped him uh, and, and where he is today. So uh, yeah, it's a... <laughs> It's a great story. And um, and you've got many others with others besides I do. Mr. Tony Robbins. So tell us about 
it was a fellow that had been, if I'm not mistaken, it was the fellow from uh, Albuquerque that you wrote about. Yes, Dan Greathouse. Yes, who's mentioned yes. in your book. Can you tell us that story? It's extraordinary. Well, Dan was uh, an accomplished pianist, had a night band where he played the, uh, the keyboards, uh, was the valedictorian of his college class, Eastern New Mexico University, where he majored in math and English. He was now math and English junior high school teacher, president of the GED night school, uh, his night band, et cetera, et cetera. And he decided he had been an alcoholic years before. And during that period of time, he felt he had lost living time and wanted to make up for it. So he was deciding to do all sorts of new things that he had wanted to do. So he decides to go scuba diving. And he goes scuba diving in Lake Powell at about 3,800 feet altitude. And it was a reckless dive. The instructor, nobody was paying attention. And he ended up with an air embolism and decompression sickness. And he ended up seeing a variety of doctors Nobody could diagnose him. They all told him it was his old alcoholism. He was just dizzy, he had an ear infection, crazy stuff. But he happened into a, a doctor's office in New Mexico who used to be my roommate in my surgical residency, uh, who is now an ear, nose, and throat physician. And he got on the phone. He said, this guy's got problems far beyond his ears and dizziness. He said, something's wrong with him. He went diving. You know diving medicine. Talk to him. Wow. I did, I tried to get him. He now could not walk in a straight line. He couldn't talk properly. He couldn't operate keyboards, a computer. He couldn't teach. Uh, he was uncoordinated. Uh, he was cognitively impaired. Uh, he, was, he had to leave school, go on medical leave. And doctor after doctor kept telling him there's nothing wrong with him. He had psychiatric problems, nothing physically or, or you know, cognitively wrong. He just had psychiatric problems. And what ended up happening, I, I got him to get some treatment, but they wouldn't give him the treatment that I recommended. They gave him standard treatment with hyperbaric therapy, three treatments, it didn't work. And uh, I had him get tested, his IQ was now 101. And when the neuropsychologist told him, IQ is 101, he said, I don't have an IQ 101, I was a valedictorian in college. Absolutely. You know, something's wrong here. Right. And uh, he finally decided he couldn't live with his brain as it was, and he tried to kill himself. Oh. Uh, he got put in a psych hospital. He got molested by the psychiatrist who later committed suicide. Oh my and while gosh. he was in the hospital, the psychiatrist called the sheriff's office and they took him from the psychiatric hospital in handcuffs, put him in solitary confinement in the county jail. And someone called in anonymously and said that the dead woman jogger found that summer in this one neighborhood was his was him it was found in his neighborhood so now he was interrogated for murder brought before the judge and the judge confined him to a psychiatric evaluation for 30 days during which time he's showing them the merc manual and asking them to call me that he had decompression sickness and they're telling him he's got depression so he's now plotting his suicide the day he gets out three days before it his mother calls me back and says do you remember us? I go, yeah, what happened to Dan? And they tell me this story I just told you. I got the judge to release him, brought him out. We brain imaged him with the spec scan. It was 
grossly abnormal. Mm -hmm. I treated him, returned him to his work, IQ 123. He -hmm. went on to get two master's degrees, ended up teaching uh, or testing educationally handicapped kids for the state of New Mexico for 15 years and retired to do the same in a brain injury program in Lubbock, Texas. Um, And he wrote his book called Doc, I Want My Brain Back. That is what changed my life and started this whole investigation. Nobody could tell me this was a placebo effect. We had all the documentation, 35 doctors had seen him and missed the diagnosis. Unbelievable. Uh, Yeah. So why is, when I came to see you, I have three questions with regard to that. I was told that you needed 40 hyperbaric treatments. Where's the number 40 from? Why 40? What a great question, Anne Louise. The diver just before the one I told you about, the commercial diver who was going to commit the the homicides, uh, uh, what happened is his attorneys went to his home and got him and took away his pistols as he was heading to New Orleans to kill the diving company management because they cut off his workers' compensation. He was broke. His family was falling apart. And so they they put him in the car, drove him down the interstate and walked into the emergency room where I was working, where I was in charge of hyperbarics. And they said, "Uh, here he is. Here's what happened. Do something for him. And I said, do something. There's nothing for this guy in diving medicine. We treated him months ago and it you know, it only partially worked. Uh, uh, I, I'm just going to have to put him in a psych hospital. And so I got on the phone in the emergency room and started calling around. And I called this Dr. Neubauer in South Florida and I, who had treated neurological patients. And I asked him, I said, I, what would you, do you have anything for this guy? He goes, no, I've never treated a diver, but you can try what I've done. And I said, what's that? And he, he gave me a recommended dose And I said, well, how many treatments? He said, he needs over 200. I said, oh my God, that's a quarter of a million dollars in treatment. Nobody will pay for that. I I said, what's the minimum number to see a permanent measurable improvement? And he said, try 40. I said, why 40? He goes, over the years, it's been a good number. Now that sounds flippant, but he treated people for a week to two years at a time, meaning a few treatments, a lot of treatments. He was able to see that people who got that number seem to have permanence of the effect. And it turns out that is the number that is usually needed to heal a diabetic foot wound, radiation damaged tissue, the standard chronic wounds that hyperbaric medicine addresses. And so that's what we started for. And darn if it didn't work. Well, he was better at 40. Now, what do you do? We did another 40. So we started looking and did a formal experiment for five and a half years, looking at blocks of 40 treatments. And so for a chronic condition, you need 40 treatments to start with to see if you can get benefit. And if you do, you should have some permanent improvement to it. And then do you need to take a break? Yes. Even if you don't have oxygen? Yes. Although that that break, you know, if people are still getting better at 40 treatments, you keep going. But eventually, yes, you have to take a break because the brain can get habituated to it like any drug. And you can't stop it immediately. It's a wonderful kind of drug. It's a wonderful drug. It is. None like it. <laughs> uh, you know, what's that T-shirt from Santa Fe, New Mexico, 7,700 feet? It's like the old uh, uh, milk T-shirt, got milk, question mark. It says, got oxygen. Wow. Yes. 
So what is next for you? Are you going to stay in New Orleans? Well, that's a great question. Uh, we are in the process of moving this location. In fact, we just reviewed the lease today. But um, no, I, I want to uh, have other locations where we can do this. You know, because uh, like we talked about, uh, dosing this is what it's all about. That's and the key. Yes. And it's finding the dose that's right for you and your condition. And we have done the experiments years ago. We, I, I am the one who has defined and helped identify what people didn't realize they were looking at as oxidative stress. And you want to treat people and do it to benefit and stay out of trouble. And I, I believe I've mastered that now uh, in these 33 years of, of practicing hyperbaric medicine and researching and doing all of this work. So I want to, you know, expand this and yeah, I'd like, I'd love to get back to the Rockies or, or the coast. Uh, you know, I grew up in Southern California and had a home in Denver for years. And or, so even, or even Northern Idaho. Oh, yeah, either for the yeah. northern Ireland. Louise and James. That's heaven, too. Absolute so. heaven. So how do people find you, Dr. Harge? Oh, it's simple. If you know the word, the acronym HBOT, it's hbot.com, www.hbot.com. I love or it. Or just plug my name in on Google and it's hard to miss. And people can get your book, The Oxygen Revolution, on Amazon. Yes. And, and they can go, if they just search Harch, uh, and well, for instance, Frontiers in Neurology, uh, it will come up the recent systematic review article that they can use to help get reimbursement for hyperbaric oxygen for traumatic brain injury. Very interesting. The stuff. whole article is there. In fact, I just checked it today. It's got over 2,300 reads in three weeks and it ranks in the 40 it's got more reads than 45 percent of all of the journal articles published by all of the journals for frontier publishing so uh, congratulations to you yeah I'm, I'm happy about that people are seeing it and i want them to use it well i hope that we see more of you dr harch will you come back anytime you want. It's a pleasure. You ask so many great questions about this uh, that, I mean, there's so much to talk about. So yes, you tell me when I'll be back. I love it. I want to thank you, Dr. Harch. I want to thank all my, my listeners. You've constantly made First Lady of Nutrition podcast, one of the top 150 podcasts of nutrition in the entire world. So come back, listen to us again. You'll hear many, many great interviews beyond Dr. Harch and with Dr. Harch. And I want to wish everybody a wonderful week with a lot of love, health, happiness, and peace. Shalom, shalom. please don't forget to subscribe and like First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Thank you so very much.